Hi, I'm Ryan Lynch. And I'm Amanda Johns. Welcome to season two of our weekly podcast, Worth the Work. Each week, we attempt to educate and reduce the stigma around issues related to therapy and mental health. We try to infuse humor in often difficult topics. And we stay authentic as we work to reinforce the reality that therapists are people too. This season, we'll be focusing on relationships. And not just the romantic ones. Let's do this. Let's go. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Amanda. How is you? I is good. Well, that's good. Super terrific. So we wanted to continue in the topic of questions about relationships and answering them. Okay. Does that make sense? I mean. That makes sense, right? Since I'm here, I hope so. Otherwise, this is going to be a really (laughs) weird episode. I mean, you're not wrong. So some of the questions that we answered on the last episode... um, were geared more towards coupled relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were thinking that this week maybe have some more questions, but have them sort of surround broader relationships than just intimate relationships. Because as we've discussed on this show in this season, relationships aren't just intimate. Correct. Every interaction you have with another person or even an animal, I mean, you could have a relationship with a plant. I don't know. Um, is a relationship. Okay. Okay. But we're not going to answer plant questions today. (laughs) Botany Talks will be next week. (laughs) We will discuss how to tell if your plant is sad next week. No, we won't. No, we really won't. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first question I came across is an interesting one. Mm -hmm. Um, We've all had the friend where... Like, it's clear that something's going on with them. It's clear that um, they're depressed. It's clear that they're anxious. It's clear that whatever. Like, whatever it is, it's clear Mm -hmm. that they need to talk to somebody. That we cannot be their therapist anymore. Um, And I don't mean that as, like, us, the professional therapist. I mean, as friends, we have a tendency to um, sort of take roles with with various friendships. Sure, you go to your friends to talk about certain things and whatnot. Yeah. Um, So when you're tired of being your friend's therapist, the question is, how how do you tell them that they need professional help? That is a great question. (laughs) I mean, it it really... you don't want to be like, you're crazy. Go talk to somebody. Right. Because that's a little off-putting. A little bit. Just a little bit. And (laughs) also, (laughs) you can say to them... Hey, I've noticed that you have been seemingly having a hard time recently. This is what I'm seeing. Do you think maybe it would be helpful for you to talk to somebody who, like, does this for a living? Mm-hmm. That's a good way. Um, I think also, like, if you have ever been in therapy, that's a good thing to be like, you know, hey, I noticed you seem to be kind of struggling. Right. You know, I went to therapy and it really helped. Or I'm in therapy now and it's really helping. <laughs> Um, you know, maybe that's something you should try. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, I I think we've all, especially therapists, like who do it for a living. I feel Mm -hmm. like we've all sort of got friends who know what we do. And so sort of see that as an advantage. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it is. And a lot of times, you know, you, you sort of are able to 
help your your friends in a friend kind of way. Sure. Um, but I know from the therapist standpoint, I think we it's sort of like easier for us sometimes mm-hmm. to be like, dude, you need to go talk to somebody. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair because we can, I mean, it's your friend, you know, it's somebody, you know, and then we're professionals. So it kind of makes it a little easier to say kind of right. whatever you want to say to right. them, but maybe that's not comfortable for you or right. easy for you to do. So, And I think it's okay to sort of like predict that your friend might get frustrated, might get angry, mm-hmm. might reject the concept or the idea that they need help. Um they might turn it back on you and that's all okay. Well, and you can also, you know, I, I also like forming it as a question. Yeah. You know, Hey, have you ever thought about seeing somebody about right. your anxiety or whatever, you know, because then it's not, you know, you telling them you need help. Right. But it's more like being that supportive, but also questioning, like, have you ever given this any thought? Type right. Thing, right. Perfect. All about manipulation. <laughs> okay, but yes, yes, and <laughs> yes, and it's it's choosing to use your words in a way that helps somebody to make a decision that benefits them, mm-hmm. which is manipulation. But I like the way that that sounds better. Yes, because yeah. it's you know manipulative. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, I'm being bullied at school. What should I do? Well, I think you should definitely tell an adult, period. Okay. Um, Whether that's a teacher, you know, your parents, a school counselor, somebody needs to know that that's going on. Um, And if you tell, you know, somebody and they don't do anything about it, tell somebody else. Um. I think often there's a fear when you're being bullied, like, I'm going to look weak by telling, right. or they're going to threaten me by if I tell, and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, like, y- you're not supposed to be equipped to deal with that, right. because that's not natural, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, the people who downplay bullying are just... Per- just adding to the problem, to be quite honest, you know, yeah. I mean, kids tease and are going to be mean and whatever, but the thing, you know, we've got to talked about this before in another episode, the, you know, bullying when back when we were kids was a different because yes, it would happen at school or whatever, but when you went home, it, it would stop and, you know, you'd go about your day, but now, especially with social media, it is 24-7, yeah. and a lot of times you can't escape There's it. There's no break. And that's why we've seen an increase in young people, you know, attempting suicide and things like that. Is because there has it's, been a huge cre- increase, especially with the pandemic. Because it's so overwhelming because yeah. it never ends, right? Um, so if you are being bullied or you know somebody who's being bullied, tell somebody. Right. Yeah. Spread the word. A lot of a lot of schools, a lot of adults are taking it much more seriously. Um, and, and if you'd get an unfortunate example of somebody not, you know, definitely go to someone else then. Yeah. Yeah. Don't stop asking for help. Period. Agreed. <laughs> okay. The next one is how do I help a friend or loved one? who is living with a mental health diagnosis. 
with or without music playing. I know. That happens pretty consistently around this time is that my one alarm goes off. <laughs> it's almost like you could turn it off anyway. Yeah, if I remembered that it existed. <laughs> That's why I have it set to go off without me having to remember to turn it on. So I think for this one, a lot of times asking them what would be helpful. Yeah. How can I support you? I think we assume a lot that people yeah. aren't capable of telling you what they need. Right. Or right. if somebody has an issue with, with their mental health, that somehow they're incapable of mm-hmm. identifying what they need. Now, obviously, if like somebody's like in the middle of a panic attack or something, right. it might be hard for them to share. <laughs> but, you know... Most of the time, asking them can be, you know, hey, when you're struggling, I want to be there to help you. If there's anything you need, what can I do to support you? Right. Fair enough. Um, And I think, too, a lot of times, and whether this be, I I sort of want to, like, separate out something for a minute. Because I think you could say the same thing with somebody who's going through a medical health crisis. Um, We have a tendency to sort of give platitudes and say, I'm here for you. If you need anything, let me know what you need. Um, And sometimes what they need is for us to say, hey, I'm coming to your house today to do your laundry. Hey, I'm coming to your your house today and I'm going to clean out your car for you. However, just to I mean, you need to get consent and permission. Yeah, yeah. Because for some people, that's going to cause them anxiety. Right, right. But the point is, is don't wait for the person to call you and say, hey, by the way, I need you to do this for me today, or I need this mm-hmm. from you. Sort of give sort of ideas mm-hmm. um, and things that you know that you can do, that you can follow through on. Because I think that's the other thing, is don't offer support that you don't have the capacity to give. No, sure. And I think when you offer support, and it is vague, most people will feel guilty about trying to take you up on that. Right. Um, Because it is a platitude, people say, and not all the times do they mean it, you know? Fair enough. Yeah. My friend keeps joking about depression. How do I get him to stop and tell him that I have it? Well, I mean, this is not the easiest thing to do but no. i think simply saying that hey can would you mind not joking about that so much it, it kind of gets to me um and you know hopefully if they're a good friend they will respond appropriately yeah i think that's an important piece of it too um and and i feel like this with any relationship if you're telling somebody that something that they are doing is harming you or upsetting you or causing you pain mm-hmm. and they don't stop you really need to take a step back and reevaluate that relationship to see if it's the kind of relationship that you think it is. Is it really adding to your life? Is it really bringing value? Are they somebody that really does care about how you feel and how they're impacting you? Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you tell somebody that they're doing something and that it it's harming you or upsetting you and their response is to make fun of you or to keep doing it, that's not healthy. No. That's like unhealthy behavior. Right. And it's a good way to weed out friends. Right. Or not friends, right. I guess I should say. Right. So um, I need medication, but my parents are against it. Help. I think you need to work on this transition because I didn't realize we had moved on to the next thing. <laughs> I was like, yes, you do. No, I'm just kidding. <gasps> 
Sorry. That was rude. That was rude. I really don't like it when you joke about my mental health. I apologize. And I will try not to do it again. (laughs) Until the next time. Until the next time. Because it's, yeah. Anyway. We're we're bad examples. We're terrible examples. Do as I say, not as I say. So when you have your defense mechanism of sarcasm, Uh sarcasm is what you use. And dark humor. Mm -hmm. Sarcasm and dark humor. That's our... Less treat. than healthy coping skills. I mean, we have super healthy coping skills. Those are just our unhealthy ones. Yes, I know. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that for my clients. Moving my on client to the next that question. <laughs> okay. So back to the question that I asked before you were ready. Um, my family would, uh, my family, I need medication and my my family's against it. What do I do? Okay, well, I'm assuming this is a child because an right. adult. It would be somebody under the age of 18. Screw them. Um, <laughs> so, well, I don't know about everywhere, but I know in the state of Pennsylvania at, what is it, 16? 14. Well, I knew that so you could make mental health, but I didn't know about medical. Oh, medical. I, it's somewhere between the age of 14 and 16. Right. You're allowed to make your own <laughs> decisions about your medical i know that at 14 my daughter could deny taking mental health medicines on her own so i imagine you could take them on your own at 14 as well Mm -hmm. okay but you need to get the prescription filled and most kids have to go to the pharmacy and need their parents insurance sure so it is tough and you know i think a lot of it is having the doctor psychiatrist, whoever is prescribing it, mm-hmm. really talk to your parents and, you know, being there with them, I think can be helpful. Yeah. Um, because a lot of it is, it, there's a reason they're asking and it's usually a concern. Right. Right. You know, it's not because they like, don't want you to get better. It's because right. they don't think you necessarily need it or they think, you know, you need, you know, it's dangerous. There might be side effects, mm-hmm. whatever. And also hearing your parents out yeah. to understand what their reasons are mm-hmm. as to why that they don't think that you need medication at this time. Mm-hmm. But I encourage you to do that with the doctor right. or, or whoever's prescribing it, because obviously there's medical questions you're not going to be able to answer that the yeah. doctor could. Yeah. And I think that it's important to pull out, to pull out facts versus feelings. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we have a tendency to make decisions based on feelings mm-hmm. and not on the actual facts presented to us. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when, like you had said, when families are having the discussion about medication, there's fear involved. Fear is an emotion. It's not a fact. So I can feel scared. I can be afraid. I can be concerned or worried about the side effects of a medication and what it might have on my child. Um, But that doesn't mean that that's actually going to happen. Right. And I think, you know, you're right. That's where sitting with a doctor is really critical in, you know, sort of parsing out how much of this is actual reality Mm -hmm. um, and factual versus just a feeling I have Mm -hmm. about maybe a prior experience or something else that I've experienced through another person. Agreed. Um. Okay, you ready? You re- I want to make a good transition. Are you ready for the next question, Ryan? I mean, it's not the best transition, but it's better. You're How about you made. do a transition? I don't think that's appropriate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. I almost made a Star Trek joke, but I won't because I 
don't know that I always want the viewers or the listen the viewers. I don't know that I always want the listeners to know exactly how culturally nerdy I am. Well, I was doing the Wayne World flashbacks, I, I know, but still, I know. Star Trek would have also been appropriate. I know because you know transition. Are you done moving your mic? I I, I am so sorry. I adjusted. <laughs> I apologize. I will not move for the next half hour. Okay. Yes. It's a good thing we're professional at all times. Clearly, Just, you know. At least, at least there's not large sounds outside of our room today. Yeah. That's a bonus. This time. This time. Okay. So, okay. What, what do I do if I feel like I'm giving more to a friendship than I'm getting? Good question. So I think the question I would ask back to that to clarify is, what is your goal? Is it? To get them to give back as much as they're getting? Right. Or is it simply to stop giving as much as you do? Yeah. Because I do feel like there's two kind of different answers there. Um, If you feel like you're giving more, um, I think the best thing is talking to them about it. Right. And it's not an accusatory, you need to do more. You know, it's just like, hey, you know, I really go out of my way to try and do this for you and and be there for you. And I sometimes feel like I'm putting in more effort in this friendship than, than you are. And I want to, I like being your friend and I want to try and fix that. Right. Right. So that it can be more equitable. I would agree. I feel like with most of these questions or relationship questions in general, mm-hmm. the answer is talk about it. Yeah. Good job. End of end of episode. We don't need to answer anymore. <laughs> Use your but words. seriously, it is. But also understanding these are not easy conversations. Yeah, at all. Have. At all. Okay, so uh, one of the questions that keeps coming up is um, the CDC has changed its thoughts around or rules around mask wearing and Okay. People are now allowed to get together and um, be in relationship in person with each other without masks. And if they're fully vaccinated, correct. If they're fully vaccinated, um, thank you, thank you for adding that clarification. It's a minor detail. <laughs> it's a major detail. Um, but fully vaccinated people are capable of being with each other in in community with with mm-hmm. each other. So one of the questions that keeps coming up is, okay, I've been sort of isolated from the world for the last year. Mm-hmm. How do I re-engage in relationships now that I'm quote unquote allowed to? Because that's a very, there's a lot of different anxieties that are mixed into sort of this um, reintegration into mm-hmm. normalcy for people. Um there are people who are struggling just to go to the grocery store um, now that the grocery stores are more crowded and as restrictions are being um, eased. Eased, thank you. So so let's talk through how people can re-engage in relationships after sort of not fully engaging in them for the last year. I think that's a good topic. Yeah. Um, and I think that Part of it is it it's going to feel foreign in a way because yeah. it's been so long, but it's, you know, 
hopefully for most people, it is like riding a bike. And I think that's the thing is exposure therapy is a real thing. And being able to go into these social situations and increasing your time with people slowly and as as to the degree that's comfortable to you, I think is important. And for a lot of people, that might mean starting your social activities outside um, with people in the outdoors where you feel a little bit more, um, maybe more safe. Mm-hmm before you jump right into going right back into your friends' houses or going out to, to clubs or if you haven't been eating out during the pandemic, jumping into a restaurant. So I think the, the key is easing into it and easing it back into these relationships that maybe have not been physical for the last year um, and are going to start being physical again. And recognizing that social anxiety is normal sure. after being separated from society for for a period of time. Yeah. So that's all the questions I have. Did you have any questions? Okay. Well, how is butter made? So there's <laughs> these bugs, and they're called butterflies. Okay, I don't want to hear the rest of the story because that's not good in any way. You know what silkworms do? You can't ruin butter for me. Did you? Okay, so this has nothing to do with relationships except to the relationships between silkworms and silk and our body when we wear the silk. Where is this going? Listen, I am pretty sure that I watched a documentary the other day. Oh, Lord. Because it was in another language without... um, translation and without like the you know how like the words will come across subtitles thank you listen my brain is fried and Um, i don't think you should be telling the story then no listen and i'm pretty sure that silk so i always thought that silk like the silkworms made like silk out of their like butt like (laughs) like the way way, whatever that that thing is on a spider that makes them make spider webs mm-hmm. i'm assuming it comes out of their butt because six-year-old me does but sure. like, i think it's actually made out of the worms i'm gonna look more into it i think that's probably a good idea but i don't think it's made like i just thought there was somebody out there who like gathered their silk that they made like the spiders make spider webs I think you might want to check that out. No, I'm I'm telling you, go listen, go watch, go, uh, go research. You mean to the documentary that I can't see, understand, yeah, or read? Good, yeah. I can't wait to find out about this. Yeah, look, I'm I'm looking up how is silk made. It's the fiber bin. <laughs> it's <gasps> it's from the 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 insect larva. It is. It's the cocoon of the larva of the mulberry silkworm. Yes. But the cocoon is not the same as the bug itself. Yeah, but now I'm wondering, because they're, I don't know. Why are we on this tangent? And I think our listeners are a little concerned. I know I am. (laughs) Because it was interesting to me. Okay. It's the things you know. And now I want to study more about it. And I, I think want- you should before you talk about it in public. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, Amanda, where can people find us? That was a really 
deep, deep, deep breath you just took. You're welcome. They can find us on our Instagram at worththework underscore. Okay. They can find us on our website at worththework.net. They can, <laughs> they can find us on Facebook at Worth the Work with Amanda and Ryan. And they can email us at worththeworkcounseling at gmail.com. Correct. And they can go research the the silkworm and determine the relationship that we have with the silkworm. You know what? Maybe next episode I'll bring on a uh, silkworm scientist and we can have a conversation about this. And then that silkworm scientist can talk to us about how to know when our plants are sad. See, it all it all circles back. I don't want to live on this planet because anymore. The silkworm <laughs> needs a happy plant to make happy silk. As opposed to sad silk. Do you want to wear sad silk? I live in sad silk right now, so... Oh <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, folks, I think yeah. that's a good cue to end it on. On that note, everybody remember that you are worth, worth the, the work. work.